Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of Paranormal Axe Activities with your host, Ben Axe. That's right, number 13, super unlucky number. So if you're listening to this, you might not want to listen to this because apparently this is where all the bad stuff happens. So hey, guys, welcome to the show. I appreciate y'all listening. Um, I know it's a weird time out there right now between the, you know, first we had the pandemic and now we have protesting and i just heard there's a new string of ebola and you know obviously it's the apocalypse so i appreciate you taking pause on the real life problems and checking out the show just a few things here before we get rolling um website i worked on it all day yesterday dude i'm telling you guys i suck at it so bear with me i'm making it myself i looked into uh, hiring a professional i clicked that hire professional button and I'm just not into that. I feel like I'm going to get scammed one way or another because I don't. I have I have some trust issues. So I'm, I'm doing it myself. I have it mostly done. Actually, it is published. So if you looked for it, you probably could find it. However, it looks like shit. <laughs> so I'm still working on it, and I'm going to perfect it when I get a minute here, and it will be live. I will make my own domain and all that good stuff. So it's coming. I'm excited. Just bear with me. Also, guys, uh, keep listening. Check me out on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever they call themselves, Google. I am pretty much everywhere that I know of. So tell your friends, hit subscribe, all of that good plug stuff. All right, guys, I'm also available on alleverythingentertainment.com, all of my wrestling podcasts. That's a newer development. It's pretty awesome. So you go to that website. There's awesome articles, awesome podcasts, awesome everything, including RSH Wrestling. Talented people, good people, good guys. Check them out. All right, so before I get rolling into the good stuff here, coming up we have interviewee Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis joining the show here in just a few minutes. Uh, this is a great interview. Uh, it, was a, it was a great interview, actually. I really enjoyed it. Talk about paranormal dreaming and a bunch of other stuff. So coming up here shortly. But before that, and even before Paranormal Activity of the Week, uh, because this is episode number 13, I just want to tell you guys a couple of facts here about the number 13. And, you know, the number 13, that fear of that number is something I never understood. I really don't get into a lot of, like, weird urban legends or weird whatever, you know, superstitions. Um, some I'm into, some I'm not. 13 happens to be one that I just always thought was silly. I like the movies, but here's some facts for you. So researchers estimate that at least 10% of the U.S. population has a fear of the number 13. That's a lot. 10% is, is quite a bit of people. Just to, you know, because I like to break things down to make them as simple as possible. For every 100 people, that's 10 people, right? That's a lot. To have a fear of a fucking number makes no sense to me. And even more so, they, the, the same percent has a fear of Friday the 13th which is known as Paraskiva de blah, 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 whatever the fuck phobia. Now, that is where I can't pronounce. Sorry. But, uh, like, that's that's crazy. Like, not only are they afraid of 13, they're also afraid of a day of the year, which happens more than once a year, Friday the 13th. And here's the crazy part to all of this. Because of their fear of number 13 and fe their fear of Friday the 13th specifically, that fear alone results in financial losses in right around $800 million annually because people avoid getting married, they avoid traveling, and in some cases they avoid working on the days that have 13 and especially on a Friday the 13th. So because of that fear, 
the world, I guess it's, that's what I say, but I'm assuming it's the world, financially loses $800 million because of a fear. And like, and they always say, you know, fear drives, it can be good or bad, but fear is definitely a drive of, of human beings. And that is crazy to me that $800 million loss annually due to the fear of the number 13. Crazy. But anyway, that's enough of that fun fact. So now moving on to the best part of the week, the paranormal activity of the week. All right, guys. So I have one, and it's interesting. And I don't, it's not, you know, I didn't see a ghost, but uh, let's just get into it. So are you guys familiar with Nerf guns? I'm sure you are. I have two Nerf guns in my house. I bought them both together as a set at Walmart last year. They're on sale for like 20 bucks or whatever. And I bought them to attack Danae with. <laughs> and uh, they have green darts with blue tips. And the blue tips are smooth. And they were all the same blue tips. Smooth blue tips. All right. And then, uh, so I bought these guns literally probably over a year ago. And I haven't really used them at all. Like, we never, I think we played with them once when we first got them. And then they've been in the closet ever since. All right. So, fast forward to last week. I forget what day it was. It was during the week, so it was probably like Wednesday or something. Uh, we were sitting out on the patio, and as I got up, I noticed a green dart with a blue ridged tip on the ground next to me, like where I was sitting. It was just, it was, it looked different. I was like, huh, that's a tip that I don't recognize. And uh, you know, I was like, that's weird. But here's where it gets kind of interesting. You know, that, that feeling in your gut, that feeling in your belly that I, I tell you guys to listen to when you're dealing with anything paranormal, and that's going to tell you more than any kind of gadget or device, like a, kind of like a spider sense, that shit triggered when I saw that. Like, that's fucking weird. Uh, but, you know, then I, you know, I was like, well, whatever. We live in a neighborhood. My guess is one of the kids fucking shot it over the fence or something. Like, we found fish hooks in our yard before because the kid next door likes to practice fishing in his backyard so you know it wasn't that crazy at that time but that spider sense did trigger and i was like huh, eh, whatever but you know i played it off to there's a kid shooting in the backyard and then i even went inside and checked our darts and made sure that they were all smooth ridged which which they were we had none with or not smooth ridge but just smooth we had none with ridges at all and then it wasn't even like ridges they were like it was a weird pattern like it was just a different dart than what we have for our two basically the same guns. And uh, so that happened. I want to say Wednesday. It might have been Tuesday. I don't remember. Sometime during the week. So on Friday, I go to Walmart, and it's raining. And I go after work. So I'm wearing my work clothes. I went from work to Walmart. I get out of the car. I go inside Walmart. I'm coming back. And again, it's raining. Not that that matters, but it's like pouring down rain. Uh, so as I go back to the car... I go around the back of the car, go up to the driver's seat, and I they're just that same fucking dart. Oh, by the way, the first dart that I found, I threw away, so it's gone. So I come up to my car and laying right in front of the door, it, it was like the dart was on my lap, and when I got out of my car, it fell on the ground. That's how close it was to my door. Sitting right there, the exact same ridged pattern dart. The exact same one. I mean, <laughs> so it was like it was in my car and fell out, or in one of the pockets and fell out. Which makes no sense, because I promise you, I threw that first dart away. I remember doing it. Because I was like, fuck this dart. It makes me feel weird. Throwing it away. So, there it is. At Walmart. 
right in front of my car door. I'm like, huh, that's really strange. And then my uh, spider sense went off again. So whatever, like that's, that's weird. I caught my spider sense. I know I'm nerdy, whatever, bear with me. Uh, so yeah, so that happened on Friday. And I told Danae about it over the weekend. Like, this is fucking weird. Um, but whatever. And uh, so then yesterday, I mowed the grass. And then I decided to go running for basically the first time this year. And uh, so I run. And, like, my pattern that I run is, like, over three or four different blocks that I run around. It's basically a big circle. And one full lap of, of this route is two miles. So basically one mile out and then one mile back. And so yesterday I go jogging. And when I get to my one mile part where I turn to basically come back around, right there at the part where I turn around is that same locking dart, blue tip with the same designed ridges laying right there, right for me to see when I you know, turn around when I hit the stop sign and turn around right there. So that's three different times in less than a week I'm seeing this weird dart that I do not own <laughs> on my back porch, right next to my car at Walmart, and then on the sidewalk a mile away from my house. So, that's it. I mean, it's not juicier than that. I did wake up in the middle of the night right around 2 o'clock and heard a big thud downstairs. Uh, I did not investigate. No idea what it was. My camera in the living room did not trigger at all, so I don't know what that was. But the dart is where I'm focused at right now. Do any of you people have any kind of stories like that or know what that could mean or what that could be? Because I'm being stalked by a dart <laughs> and it's got to end. And uh, we went back to Walmart. That happened on Friday. I went back to Walmart on Sunday and uh, it was right there. I'm sorry, no, Saturday. I went back on Saturday and it was in the same spot. Cause I always park in the same spot at Walmart. Uh, this time I parked two spots like forward in the same row, but just two spots up. And this, that dart was still sitting right where I left it on Friday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It was weird. So I've seen the same dart three different times in three different locations. And it's a dart that I don't own, a Nerf gun dart. I'm being stalked, man. Being stalked by the Nerf ghost. Anyway, so that's the activity of the week. Again, please let me know if you have any similar stories to that. You can email me at paranormalaxpodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook at Paranormal Activities, or I think it's like facebook.com slash backslash activities or whatever, or find me on Twitter at activities. All right, so now it's time for our special guest of the evening, Miss Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. You have seen her on Dr. Oz, NBC News, The Doctors. She has written co-written a book called Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases, available on Amazon.com and wherever you get your books. And uh, here she is, Miss Ka Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. How are you doing tonight, ma'am? I'm doing great, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being on my show. I'm very excited to, to hear from you. I, I read a little bit about your about your book and, and some of your activities here, and I'm very excited. I've always been interested in, in paranormal dreams and have a lot of experiences there, actually. So I was very excited to have you on my show. So the pleasure is all on my end. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, uh, with what's going on right now in the world with, with COVID hitting us and people um, being separated from their loved ones or locked in <laughs> with relationships that they maybe they were uh, not considering staying with, but now they, they have no choice. There's a lot of paranormal activity that's going 
on in the dream world because our dreams are often a, a, a reflection of our waking world. But in our dream world, we can actually work through crises that we're having. But I think one of the most important things that's happening right now is all of the visitation dreams that are going on, dreams of deceased loved ones coming in and um, reassuring the living that they're not alone. Oh, I absolutely believe that. And I've been actually very curious to see when this whole COVID thing ends, uh, to hear all of the stories of people who are, you know, trapped or in like or living in a, a haunted house per se, or, you know, or just involved in all mm -hmm. of that stuff. It's definitely a unique time. I feel like we're going to get a lot of unique stories when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely. I believe that. Right. Excellent. So, um, you know, while we're talking about the, the, the dream world here, tell me a little bit about your background or, or like how you got into the paranormal dreams and what that means to you, basically. Well, you know, it all started. Um, actually, I, I started dreaming when I was very little. I would have precognitive dreams, which are actually considered kind of paranormal. And uh, then they would come true. And But then, you know, my mother always said, don't tell people about your dreams. Don't tell people that you can see ghosts and talk to ghosts because not everybody can do that and they won't understand. So I kind of locked that away in a closet until I had turned about 40, was just 40, when I had gone in for my uh, yearly, you know, checkup, uh, mammogram, blood test, physical exams, the whole works, and I, I got a clean bill of health, went home, and that night, I started to have a series of, of paranormal dreams. They were precognitive dreams. And in these dreams, I would be dreaming my regular dream at night. Suddenly the dream would freeze, just like your computer. You'd get a page on the computer that freezes, and then you'll get a, a pop-up on that page. And I would get a pop-up in my dream that would then turn into a door. And I'm standing there in my dream going, wow, that's really weird for a dream. So right away I knew it was lucid dreaming. And uh, that pop-up door uh, would open, and through it would walk these Franciscan monks in their brown robes with the hoods up, the, the rope belts, the leather sandals. They'd walk up to me, and they'd say, come with us. We have something to tell you. And they led me into a room between realms. It was neither of the living nor the dead, but an area where you could go and get paranormal information and they took my hand and they placed it on my breast and they said do you feel that and I said yes I do and they said that's breast cancer you go back to your doctor tomorrow because it's been missed by the test and you tell them you need a second set of tests so long story short Ben I ended up having this dream over a three-month period of time a recurrent dream because the doctors kept giving me the same test over and over again and finally when the when the Franciscan monks walked back into my dream, I started crying after three months. And I said, look, I know why you're here. I got it. But uh, the doctors aren't listening to me. So if I really do have breast cancer and you want me to live, do something to help me. And the monks reached into their, their sleeve, pulled out this little tiny white angel feather, handed it to me and said, this yeah. is like a sword tomorrow and um, cut through all of the arguments 
that your that your um, doctor may have. And so, um, so I uh, actually went back, told my doctor that I needed a second set of tests, and what I needed was um, exploratory surgery. And long story short, I ended up being in stage two breast cancer with it in a lymph node. Holy cow! And so, <laughs> so these dreams validated. The fact that, hey, there's another realm out there between the living and the dead, and it can give you information that can then be validated by scientific facts based on medical procedures. And um, that's when I met Dr. Larry Burke, who is the chief of radiology at Duke University Medical, and just happened to be doing research dream research on dreams that diagnosed cancer. And so we wrote the book together, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Morning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases, which is full of 30 stories from 30 different patients who connected with the paranormal world through dreams, got information they needed to live, and used it in their waking world to stay alive. And all of the dreams were validated by pathology reports. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of these, like, paranormal investigators and people who, you know, are into the paranormal, that is kind of mm -hmm. their, that's their goal is to find scientific evidence and proof that that actually exists and we're not all crazy or, or loony or whatever. So the fact that you guys actually did that with over 30 stories is kind of the whole point of what we're all doing here, <laughs> right? Absolutely. That's exactly what it did. We stumbled upon it, but I think it's a really important turning point for the world. It's showing that there is life after life, that life after life is still involved on life on the earth plane. And we actually connect with our deceased loved ones. And in some cases, and this really blew me away, this really blew me away, Ben, there are dreams in the book. There's a whole section called Dreaming with Others and Dreaming for Others where total strangers would get a visitation from a deceased loved one from somebody else because hmm. they were actually telephone lines. And that person would call the other person up and say, look, I know this sounds really, really crazy, but I just had a visitation dream from your deceased daughter who wanted me to email you and tell you that you're about to have a heart attack within the next two weeks. And she told me to tell you that you wouldn't believe this email, but when you start to go down and hit the floor, dial 911 so that the paramedics can hit you with the paddles and bring you back to life. So the guy emailed her back and said, uh, Thank you very much. That is really bizarre. I don't know how you knew my daughter was dead, but I will file this under future information. Turns out, three weeks later, he started to have the sweats and the shakes. His heart was pounding out of his, his chest. 
and he goes, oh, my God, that's the email. He dialed 911. When he hit the second one, he hit the floor and was out. And they had to use the paddles on him four times to bring him back. And he sent her an email back and said, thank you so much. You saved my life. I believe you spoke with my dead daughter. And that's in the book. That's a pretty wild story. Um, and, and you mentioned how like it's kind of like a telephone. My wife actually has experience in that as well. And she has a similar story that involved her um, from when she was in college. Uh, I think it was a sibling of one of her, a deceased sibling of one of her friends contacted her and wanted her to go tell whoever, whatever. And um, my wife didn't because it was new to her. It freaked her out. She basically just shut it down. And then uh, shortly after, the TV in her in her house stopped working and would turn on and off and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so that's mm-hmm. something I'm a little familiar with, and it's absolutely out there and definitely, definitely a thing. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, um, it is. Mm-hmm. It is, and I, and I really do believe that. Um, you know, despite what we may think and especially feel right now, where many of us are locked away alone in our in our apartments or our houses, we we can't visit our loved ones, we can't visit our parents or our grandparents. Um, you know, and we feel very alone, yet through our dreams, we can connect with them. We can connect with them, even though we're separated from them. We can connect with them in our dreams and talk to them. And I, and I always call that quantum entanglement because we're all connected through universal oneness. So, you know, getting back to some of the paranormal stuff in my life, when I was, when I was really young, I was in first grade, um, my my parents, my dad was restationed in Berlin, Germany. He was a Green Beret and he was with Detachment A there. Green Berets were not supposed to be in Berlin, Germany, but it's now open for discussion. You know, it's been released so we can talk about that. And um, I remember moving into our new apartment building and I loved it. We had this beautiful balcony in the back. We were lived on the third floor. The balcony looked right out to the woods called the Grunewald. Uh, and just beyond it was Kadeve, Konfurstendam. Uh, and uh, I'd been there about three weeks when the wall went up. Oh, wow. Now, during those, during those three weeks, I started noticing something strange was happening at night. I would be sound asleep. With all my doors closed, my closet doors closed, my dresser doors closed, my bedroom door open, and I would wake up with a cold sweat, and I would suddenly realize someone was standing in the doorway looking at me, Hmm. and then I could smell cigarette smoke, and when I would glance up, there was a German officer standing in the doorway smoking a cigarette, and then I could hear other soldiers walking down the hallway speaking to each other and they would disappear through the wall at the end of the hall now my parents bedroom was down there close to that wall and i i would jump out of bed run down the hall and jump in bed with my mom i slept with my mother every single night that i lived in berlin germany and that was four years for four years i slept with her every single night because something happened in that apartment every night and the cat would not stay in our apartment he wanted out at night you could not make that animal stay in the apartment he would jump off the third floor floor balcony he wouldn't stay in there oh wow 
And it wasn't until I, I grew I, I, I grew up and moved away that I suddenly realized what might have been happening. I, I put two, to two, two and two together. And, and what I found was when they had to erect these buildings really fast, um, because they had to bring the, the, the American uh, army in, we, they, the Americans were in there, the French were in there, the, and the British were in there, and the Germans were in there. And so we, there were the four of the armies were in there, and they, and they had to rebuild Germany very quickly. They used all the rubble from the previously bombed-out buildings, and no matter what was under the rubble, rubble went into the walls. So basically, you had parts of people built into the walls, and those buildings fell down on top of soldiers, and those soldiers were in the walls. So the buildings were extremely haunted. So when I would wake up in the middle of the night around 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, between 12 and 2, that witching hour, all of my closet doors would be wide open. My windows would be open. My dresser drawers would be open. And my door that I had shut would also be wide open. Wow. I mean, if you say that, I mean, basically, they just, that's just one big cemetery of a, of a city. You know, they're building new buildings with basically a cemetery. So... I could imagine how haunted mm-hmm. that would be, and that would be how. But, how old were you again? I'm sorry. How old were you around that time for the for those four years? I was around eight years old, but it, it was more than a more than a cemetery bin because it wasn't consecrated ground. So those soldiers who may have been very religious didn't believe that they could go to heaven. You know, we take our beliefs with us to a degree when we go to the other side. If they didn't believe they could pass over, guess what? They wouldn't. Hmm. I never really thought about it that way, but they're kind of stuck there because they think they have to be, not because they are, are. to an extent. That's huh. right. Yep. That's an interesting, right. interesting look on that. For, for, <laughs> for I never really thought about it in that in that way. Um, I I do believe, you know, in a lot of ways that it's not necessarily about religion, but it's about what you believe. But I never thought of it being you're stuck because you think you have to be. That's interesting to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that was that was true in a lot of the the different places that I lived in in, in Germany. Not, it wasn't as haunted in Bad Tolz or Ober Ammergau or Berchtesgaden, but Berlin was extremely haunted, and Frankfurt, Germany, was very haunted. Hmm. And, and I can imagine having like Nazi paranormal experiences would probably be some of the mo- more scarier experiences rather than what you would experience here in America, whether it be even you know, Civil War soldiers or that kind of thing. It's more familiar when you're here to an extent. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Um, when I was living in Bad Tolz, this was when I was, oh, I was in high school now. I lived in Bad Tolz and went into uh, Munich American High School. And this is actually in my first book, Surviving Cancerland, which is full of paranormal dreams. And in this one story in the book, I talk about how my, my parents had gone out for the evening, and so I had gotten a Ouija board for Christmas. Uh-oh. And I decided I was going to call over my friends, Steve and George and Joanne and me, and we were going to have a Ouija sex session, and we were going to ask the spirits to come in because we wanted to talk to them. And so we were sitting in the living room on my mother's beloved slicotti rug that she had bought in, in uh, Athens, Greece during a Easter holiday. We're all sitting around it, and behind George was my 20-gallon fish tank. 
and we decided, and we were in apartment building again. There were three stairwells, stairwell A, B, and C, and each of those stairwells had six apartments in it, so three times six. There were 18 apartments in one building, and down in the basement is where you had all the electrical equipment, uh, the air handlers, all of that stuff was down in the basement, and it served the whole building, not just one stairwell the whole building. There was no way to separate it from the different apartments. So we were all sitting around the table and I started out with, you know, is there anybody here? And oh my gosh, it went to yes. We're like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. This is so cute. And uh, I said, okay, um, we want to talk to you. Do you want to talk to us? And it went back to the center and then it went back to yes. I was like, oh great. We've got somebody here. We could talk to them. And I said, um, show me that you really exist because I don't believe it. You know, so I, I get a little sassy. The lights went out in the apartment, Ooh. gone. George screamed, reared back. His class ring hit my 20 finished 20 gallon fish tank and it exploded. And all the water went into the flacotti rug. It got sucked up like a sponge. But we lived on the third floor. So what was happening was that flacotti rug was getting so heavy. With 20 gallons of water, it was. I was afraid it was going to cause the floor to cave in on the on the apartment below us. So we all grabbed a part of the flacotti rug, dragged it down three flights of stairs. It's dark outside now. It's like eight or nine o'clock at night. <laughs> we pulled it out to the back of the building. We tried to throw it over the clothesline. The clothesline snapped, hit George in the face, cut his nose. He was bleeding profusely profusely. By this time, all the neighbors are hanging out of their back windows trying to figure out what's going on. And we had to get somebody else to drive George to the hospital for stitches above his nose. Needless to say, I got rid of that board. Because there was no way, there was no way for just our lights to go out in that apartment. We would have had to lose all the lights in the whole building. Right. And even with that, how does that fish tank explode like that, you know, even without the power? That's definitely something you don't mess with. And I've never actually messed with a Ouija board. Uh, there was one time when I was a little kid, but I've heard, like, pretty horrible things. And I was a, kind of a scared kid, so I stayed away from all of that stuff. And uh, to this day, <laughs> I want to touch a Ouija board because of stories just like that. <laughs> so that's... Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. well. How heavy do you think that rug was at that time with all that water on it? Oh, you know, we couldn't lift it. It took the four of us just grabbing an end and dragging it. And mm. it took us a long time to get it down the stairs. We just didn't want to leave it in one spot very long because I, I was really afraid. It, we had the, these wooden floors. And I was afraid it was going to seep right through the floors, cause the, the, the roof on the apartment below us to start dripping and uh, break the roof in. So I, I, I was scared to death we were going to be in big trouble. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's crazy. Uh, so here, here's a question for you that I've never really talked about before, but you talk about you know paranormal dreams and connecting with, with spirits and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I have, mm-hmm. when I was about five or six years old, I remember this very specifically, I had a dream uh, that I was on like a ship. I was on a ship, and I was looking down, waving to everybody, and the ship was leaving the dock. And it was just a very heavy heart. 
there's a heaviness in that dream, if that makes sense. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I woke up crying, freaking out. I don't really remember how I reacted. I remember, I remember crying in my bed, waking up from this dream. And it was shortly mm-hmm. after that is when I discovered information on Titanic. And then I became obsessed uh, for a couple of years. I'd ride my bike to the library and read all these books. And, uh, you know, talk to my wife about that. And I still ha- have a very, very big interest in, in that story of the Titanic. And she believes that it could be possibly like a reincarnation dream. Um, how would you, how do you feel about dreams connected to like reincarnation and stories like that? Oh, I believe in them completely. I believe that our soul is eternal and it's just our body that changes from life to life. And we have soul memory. Um, you know, I know that I've had dreams where I was Cajun in a previous life. I love Cajun food, but can't stand the music, and it was a very hard life. So, especially when we're children and we haven't really been on the earth plane that long, chances are we spent more time in our other lives at that point than we've spent in this life. And so it would make sense that when we are in our dreams, because, you know, from what I told you previously, where I stepped through that dream door into basically onto the time continuum because when I came back through the dream, uh, the dream door, my previous dream started right back up where it had stopped, meaning time had stood still. So when we pass through into that dream area that is part of the time continuum, we can go back and forward, not just in this lifetime, but all the way back into past lifetimes and possibly into forward lifetimes that we have not been born into yet, but is on our dance card, as it were, uh, for future dances here on the earth plane. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. And I, I kind of believe that that same way. Um, obviously I'm not as experienced as yourself, but I definitely believe that the, the mind in itself is of a paranormal essence, I guess, if that makes sense. And there's definitely mm-hmm. more going on than we know or can see just through our everyday life. And, and obviously, dreaming is a big escape and a big part of that. Um, you know, they say when you're in your sleep state, you kind of open up, it opens up to a different world due to, you know, whatever the reasons may be. And I also have experienced sleep paralysis a lot for the last decade or so. Um, especially when I was in college, I experienced that quite a bit. Um, are you, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis or do you believe that that is also, or could be part of a paranormal dreaming escape? You know, it's interesting about dream paralysis because, you know, scientists have been studying it and dream therapists have been studying it for a while. And they say it's, it's actually part of the hypnagogic uh, hypnagogic uh, sense that we're in or, or state that we're in before we go into a dream state or when we're coming out and so our body gets kind of paralyzed and that may be true but right. I do remember that when I was in, in Italy with my husband and we stayed in an old monastery this was before my breast cancer before I met the other monks uh, in my dreams my dream spirit guides uh, we were staying in this old monastery, and I fell asleep for a nap. And during the nap, I dreamt that I was being held down on the bed by these monks, and I was paralyzed. And I remember calling on my spirit guide, guardian angel, and those monks let go of me so fast, and I was, boom, able to move. Hmm. So I think there may be more than one type of paralysis. 
Sleep, and, and that's what I definitely agree with as well. I mean, they say that one out of four people suffer from sleep paralysis at some point in their life. And, and I do believe with me, especially I would typically experience it like after I wake up and then fall back asleep. So my dream or my sleep state is kind of imbalanced at that time. Um, but every once in a while, there have been some pretty severe cases where it felt different than than the other times, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I believe yeah. that, you know, it could be used for paranormal experience or it's just science half the time or most of the time. It kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. It goes both ways. And you have to kind of figure out, you have to look back, uh, you know, do, do you, where you go into the hypnagogic uh, state of, of falling into a dream. And so your body kind of shuts down at that point so that you're not flailing around and trying to run in bed or, you know, anything like that. And you go through, you, you go into this, this momentary dream paralysis while you're shifting and because you're still just beginning to shift into that new dream state, you realize that you can't move. And that, that's one type of dream paralysis. But then there's another type where you have already gone into that state and you are in that state and suddenly something happens in the dream and you find that you can't move. It's as if something is keeping you from moving and it's not you doing it. I think that that's a different one. Yep, absolutely. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people say they see, like, I think the old hag is a popular one or, you know, my demon or whatever they call it. And, and I have one of those I don't see every time I'm in a sleep paralysis state. But there is, like, a shadow, like a shadow man, I guess, I see a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first times that I ever experienced sleep paralysis, I was, it was probably 2010 or so. And I just heard the voice behind me, like, creeping up my back. I was laying, I was laying down. I just heard the voice say, um, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you," and uh, that I think was probably more my mind messing with me because you know, if you're afraid, you're, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna freak yourself mm-hmm. out. Um, but, but then another mm-hmm. time, this was the strangest thing that I just can't explain. But I remember it very, very well when it comes to sleep paralysis. And I was, it was daylight. It was probably around seven or eight a.m. And I, I was, you know, in that state where I was kind of awake, kind of asleep. And do you remember the old cartoon, uh, Steamboat Willie, by chance? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse, right? Yes, ma'am. Yep, yes, ma'am. Uh, for some mm-hmm. reason, I saw an old repeat image. I guess it would be like a GIF or a GIF, whatever they call those nowadays. It was kind of a repeat photo of just Steamboat Willie on his boat, like mm-hmm. moving the wheel over and over and over again. And I couldn't move, I couldn't get up, I couldn't say anything, but I just kept watching that happen on my pillow like it was a television. And it was the weirdest thing, and that was that's one sleep paralysis state that I'll never forget. And it was just, I've never experienced anything like it again. <laughs> like, it was just so, so strange to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier, though, the, the shadow person. That's probably a recurrent dream theme that many of my uh, audience, send in to me because I have a I have a show also a podcast dreaming healing on the first and third Tuesday of every month and my audience will send me their dreams and I'm seeing a lot of dreams that deal with the shadow self the the the, per, the dreamer running trying to run away being afraid and looking back over their shoulder and seeing a shadow uh, behind them not being able to tell what the shadow is or who the shadow is, but running from it. And, and, you know, it kind of, 
it begs the question, are you running from something or is something trying to catch up to you to help you, especially during this time? Because, um, you know, just like on the earth plane and, and our dreams are often a microcosm of what's happening on earth, our shadow is always with us and it's not necessarily bad. And so we need to focus on the fact that we're never alone, that no matter where we go, there we are because we have our shadow with us. Yep, that makes sense. And I never really thought about that way either. You, you think a paranormal where you get ghosts, it's automatically scary. Or, you know, especially if you're seeing a shadow man, I would say a lot of people, their thought is demon or poltergeist or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But to think that he could actually be there to help you, it's a different turn, but it's still equally scary because why does he need to be there to help you? What's happening next <laughs> that, you know, that he would need to be there, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking of poltergeists and ghosts in the house, I've had people ask me, you know, have you ever been, have you ever lived in a haunted house? And it's like, I think I've lived in maybe one that wasn't haunted, but I wasn't there very long. So maybe it wasn't, I just didn't know. I think most of our homes and our structures are haunted. I think if they've been there for a while, there are people that love them. And for whatever reason, they didn't leave. So the trick is, to figure out is what we're seeing or hearing in that house a rerun, meaning it's not an active haunting, or is it an interactive haunting where you can actually speak with the spirits? And what I found is that most of them are very nice. And there's plenty of room for all of us because we're on a different plane. We're in a, in a different place within the same structure. They're in a different dimension from us. And I found that sometimes when I really felt kind of alone or something, they would, they would actually comfort me, especially when I was going through treatment. Um, you know, I would, I, I would be lying in my bed and, and I would be really sick to my stomach and suddenly I would hear music. <laughs> There'd be music and it wasn't just me hearing it. I actually had friends come and stay with us and they heard the music too. It was violins playing was beautiful and they opened up the windows to outside to see if it was coming from outside they went around and checked all the tvs and the radios to see if they were on and they said we can't figure out where the music's coming from but we heard this really great violin music huh. and i remember my house that i lived in would play violin music when i was feeling really sick wow that's that's interesting so it's kind of like they were there like to help you and like nurse you through that that whole mm -hmm. situation uh, yeah, passionate. I, I believe they did. Mm -hmm. And you just don't hear about that all that often because it's not as, I guess, juicy or I don't really know how to describe it, I guess, but you always hear about the bad stuff, not the good stuff. And, you know, especially at mm -hmm. a time like this with everybody being stuck in their houses for months at a time, you need the good stuff to keep going. So we need to hear more of that and more positive paranormal rather than negative paranormal. You know, the cemeteries and haunted yeah. tunnels and that kind of stuff. You need to hear the good stuff, like violin playing, <laughs> like that's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes I would hear things like, like horses hooves coming down the driveway. One time I, it was, it was so loud and I could hear the horses. I thought, oh my gosh, my friends, friends must've gotten a carriage to try and cheer me up. And I went downstairs and I opened up the front door and my husband came around the corner and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I swear, I heard horses' hooves and, and wheels. And I, I thought our friends were coming with a horse carriage or something. 
And he just kind of looked at me and I said, eh, that's just my imagination, I'm sure. And I closed the door and I thought, nah, there was somebody that just came up the driveway and I wonder how long they're staying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. And so kind of going back here, you mentioned how you lived in most of your houses were haunted. I actually did a show not long ago talking about haunted houses and, you know, in our opinions on, on what they are. And, and I think you hit it pretty much right where I believe is I don't believe like houses are haunted per se. I just feel like a lot of times that's where the spirits or entities want to be. So it's not that necessarily they're, they're trapped there. They're choosing to be there, um, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. For, you know, for most of my paranormal experiences, I believe the the spirits are, are travelers. Like, I don't think my house is haunted. I think sometimes there's a spirit here, sometimes there's not. And uh, that's, and if, you know, if you want to be there, that's where you're going to be. So it's not that you're trapped. Like a lot of these mm-hmm. shows, like American Horror Story and whatever else, they portray ghosts as being trapped in this house, and they're mean because of it. And I feel like it's definitely way more deeper and, and more personal than that. And that's why I'm kind of trying to to talk about if that makes sense or try to figure out if that's what everybody how everybody feels or or what their experiences are when it comes to haunted houses mm-hmm. well you know when I, when most of this was going on i lived up in uh, cape cod and new england is notoriously haunted uh, that's because it's been around for so long it's one of the first settlements and it was a difficult time and i remember when i had um an, a reiki group in my house and we were all doing reiki on each other and some of the people in the group were psychic and 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 they were able to see spirits just as i was and we were doing a reiki healing when suddenly i saw a little boy walk up he looked like he was about nine or ten years old he was beautifully dressed in blue he had a little blue suit and he was standing there at the top of the stairs there was a short uh, like four steps down into a sunken living room he was standing there looking at us and i looked across at the other psychics that i knew were psychics in the room and they were looking at him and looking at me and finally we told everybody else were were saying they were getting chills and this and that what was going on and we said there's a child standing at the top of the stairs and um so we asked this child we said and we're very gentle when we speak to these spirits because they often don't know that they're dead, believe it or not. They right. don't know. And so we asked this little boy, "What's your?" the first thing we did is ask him what their name is. I always tell him, hi, my name is Kat. What's your name? He said his name was Roland. And I said, well, what are you doing here, Roland? And he goes, well, I'm looking for my mom. And I said, well, where was the last time you saw her? And he said, I saw her just before I went to sleep, and um, I looked at his clothing, and I said to the other psychics, he's from the 16 and 1700s, so one of the psychics in the room happened to be very good at calling up the light and calling the spirit guides in to help people pass over. And she was kind enough to teach me that, too. And so in the book, Surviving Cancerland, I actually did it when all of us from around the world went to the Twin Towers after they had been hit. And many people in those towers did not know they were dead. So anyhow, she called up the light for this child because children often don't leave after they've died if they died from being sick and died in their sleep because they'd been trained by their parents 
not to go with strangers and to wait for their parents. So they will wait for centuries because time has no meaning. Hmm. That's actually really heartbreaking. <laughs> like, I'm just picturing that child just being stuck there for, for a long time. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that happens a lot. It, it makes sense. It happens when, a when you, lot. When you put it that way, I mean, that's, that's a great explanation for it. And it, I mean, it absolutely does make sense. Um, hmm. That's... <laughs> so you mentioned 9-11 uh, at the Twin Towers there. Um, how, how, did you guys investigate like the paranormal at that site? Well, actually, um, it, it's funny. My my friend, who is also a psychic, and I just happened to go into one of the uh, little guest houses that are up there on Cape Cod. We were going to get a, a happy hour drink before we went to uh, record our Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod show. We had a show actually on Cape Cod that played on Channel 3 TV. And we walked in, and this person walked up to me and said, you don't really want to come in here unless you like ghosts. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. She goes, no, you see the whole paranormal group from New England is here. We're on Cape Cod, and and we're we're, we're filming haunted houses. And I said, well, that's even better. Uh, you guys are free to come over to my house and film my house if you want. So they did. They came over to my house, stayed overnight, and filmed the house all night long. And there was lots of activity, lots of it. They caught it all on film. No, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Oh, there you go. I've only dealt with one little paranormal investigation team. They're just like a little local group, and they didn't catch anything. So I'm pretty envious. <laughs> Mm, no, there, there's a lot of paranormal in Cape Cod. I remember one time we, I took some friends who were visiting from California to um, a, 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 a paranormal or a haunted house tour through downtown Barnstable, and we ended at the graveyard. And he, the, the guy that was taking us on the tour handed us all these little um, recorders that we could put in our pockets. They were really tiny recorders. And he said, okay, so ask questions, pick a gravesite, ask questions, and then leave the recorder on, even though you're not hearing anything, and let's see what you get. So my friends and I were standing over by one grave, and I said, hi, my name is Kat, and this is blah, blah, and this is blah, blah, and this is blah, blah. Are, is anybody here that would like to say hi? Which leaves it wide open. It kind of brings you back to the, the night of the Flacati rug and the and, and the Ouija board, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. And and then I turned it on again and talked and talked. And at the end of the session, when we played the recording back, when I said, "Hi, my name is Pat, and this is the blah 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 blah," I introduced my friends, and I said, "Is anybody here?" A little voice said, "I'm here, Hillary Haas," <laughs> and Hillary Haas is actually actually lived in the Haas house two streets down from where I lived in, in Kamaquid, and that family was Mayflower family people. Oh, and wow. so that grave was the Hillary Haas grave from the Haas family. And so the paranormal investigator, of course, immediately took my recording, but I, I, I didn't care because I was so used to talking to ghosts, it wasn't a big deal to me. That's fair. <laughs> That's interesting. So I do have one question I want to hit on here. Um, 
So just going back, this is actually going back to the to earlier on. You mentioned that you were talking to the spirits in your in your paranormal dreams, and and they're telling you, you know, this is what's wrong, or they're telling you so and so is going to have a heart attack in a few days. So, so do these? Because I, I always try to ask questions like, you know, how does this work, or why does this work? So like, how far or how do the paranormal entities know the future? If that makes sense. Well, I think that, you know, we're stuck in, a de- you know, being stuck here on the earth. We have the past, the present, and we don't know the future at all because that's as far as our time continuum goes. But if you remember Einstein's uh, theory of relativity and his time continuum, he said that there's a plane that can be accessed that shows everything as the big now. There's no past. There's no present, no future. There's just one big now. He called that the time continuum and said some people can slide up and down that time continuum. Well, I believe that when we enter the dream uh, realm, that dream realm is part of the time continuum. And it's in that dream state that we can see the future because it's part of the now. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. That's very interesting. That's one of those things. I definitely believe that, but it's never. I always try to understand how things work. And and honestly, I was never the greatest student in school, so it's gonna be harder for me <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but that's mm-hmm. that's it's, it's, that's excellent. That's that's very interesting. And then uh, one more question for you. I know we're getting kind of down on time here, and I can hear the rain picking up outside. <laughs> um, so I just have to ask, and I like the, the juicy stories as well. If you can't answer it, what's one of the more, more uh, scary experiences that you've encountered? Like what's one of your scariest moments dealing with the paranormal or paranormal dreams or any of your paranormal history? Okay, well, I hope your listeners are holding on to their chairs for this one. Um, you know, when I was uh, a little girl in Berlin, Germany, I had a nanny, and um, she had been in the Dachau concentration camp, so she had the tattoo on the inside of her arm, and uh, she was she took care of me for the whole four years that I was in Berlin. Then when I moved to uh, Bad Tolz for high school and went to Munich, uh, Munich American High, um, Dachau is not that far from Munich. It's, it's right on the outskirts. So I uh, told my, um, my, my church group that I really wanted to go to Dachau. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to check out Dachau, and I told them why. So the whole church group got together, and we went in a school bus to Dachau, and that was one of the scariest experiences I ever had in my life. For one thing, as soon as you walked through the gate, it felt like you were trying to walk through jello. The place smelled bad. Um, but somehow I got separated from the group. I don't know how, but I got separated from the group, and I ended up um, in in the room that had all the ovens. And I saw, I, I saw a number of things there. I saw things in the ovens. And then when I tried to run away to another group of buildings, it was the buildings that turned out to be the gas chambers, and I saw people inside the gas chambers holding their hands up to the ceilings and saying in Yiddish, take me now. And they were breathing as deeply as they could. They knew. They, they, they weren't being fooled. They knew. And finally I made it back to the bus, and I was the only – and then I, I ran, and I ended up where the people slept. 
they were all crowded together on these these platforms above the ground, but it wasn't like individual bunks or anything. It was just one big splat of wood, and everybody was on it, packed in. And I saw this little tiny face that looked out at me from the shadows, and that was it. I was gone. I got back on the bus. I had my back against the back of the bus, and I was sitting in there when the re- when everybody else caught up to me. And when the woman who was taking us through um, asked me what what I, what happened, why I was on the bus, I told her what I saw, and she said the ga- the um, the the furnaces had never been used, the ovens had never been used. I knew that was a lie, and she said that those weren't really gas chambers; that they really did use them just to wash the people. I knew that was a lie. So um, that was probably one of the scariest things I'd ever been in because. There were many people there that died in their sleep, and they never left. Hmm, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> so, wow, I did not expect to hear that kind of story. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, that's excellent. Well, I really appreciate you being on on the show. You, that was a very. I apologize if I sounded nervous because I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you bearing with me here. Um, and uh, so, you know, you have dreams that can save your life, early warning signs of cancer and other diseases available on Amazon. And you mentioned surviving cancer land. I assume that's on Amazon as well? Yes, that's on Amazon as well. And you can always go to my website if you want to listen to a little excerpt from each of the books. And they're, they're also both on audio, so you can order them on audio. Um, and my website is um, uh, the queen of dreams.com or you can google my name kathleen o'keefecannabis.com right, excellent and, then and for your listeners i just want to put this in quickly there is a free gift for them if they're on my website and they look up in the right hand corner it says free gift click that and you get to download my free 101 dream course which is video well that's excellent I will be checking out your website and definitely checking out your books. And also, you can follow Kathleen at Kathleen Canvas on Twitter. Is that correct? Yes. Excellent. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on the show again. And uh, stay safe during this weird COVID 19 era that we're living in. And I hope to talk to you again very soon. I really appreciated you being on the show. That was a great conversation. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. And I just really enjoyed this show. Till next time. <laughs> Till next time. Thank you very much. So huge thanks to Kathleen for taking the time and being on the show tonight. I really enjoyed it. It was it was a great time. Um, I want her back as soon as I can. <laughs> like uh, I was I was kind of fascinated by her by her stories and and the things she had to say. And uh, as you could tell, I was kind of nervous going into that interview. I was kind of stuttering and a little little slow to respond. I think, but that because that was because I was I was pretty nervous. So. Uh, Definitely check her out on all the platforms we said. Check out her books. Check her out on Twitter. Follow her website. Go back and watch her on Dr. Oz, NBC News, The Doctors. Um, interesting, awesome stuff. And again, I'm going to have her back on the show as soon as I can and get some more out of her because it was definitely interesting and just fun to listen to. Um, that's going to go ahead and wrap up episode 13 of Paranormal Activities. And again, check me out on all of the social platforms. Tell your friends to listen to me. Uh, hit subscribe, follow, whatever. Available on all your favorite platforms and soon with the website and when it comes to the youtube stuff definitely gonna get some more stuff on there once i start recording um some episodes and, and going to locations and stuff like that so we're still growing we're still building man so i appreciate y'all taking the time and to listen to me uh, stay safe out there and let's just keep learning together